Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. Miracles are rare occurrences. They're even rarer on Christmas. However, that doesn't mean they don't happen. But when they do, oh, how amazing it is. Now Paratruth presents The Miracles of Christmas. What's up, Paratropolis? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And today we celebrate perhaps one of the most famous holidays of all year long. Today we celebrate Christmas Day. On Christmas Day this year, actually. On Christmas Day, yeah. It's a little bit kind of new for us. We don't usually get so lucky. Um, But I suppose since today, as you might have all noticed in the headline, we are speaking of miracles. And so what less of a miracle than for us to premiere a show on Christmas Day. (laughs) On Christmas episode. (laughs) Well, and, you know, it's... It hasn't happened very often uh, in the past almost three years now, going on three years for the show. So, you know, one of the biggest things that is talked about uh, throughout Christmas, obviously, is Christ's birth. Um, and one thing that uh, I think both Eric and I can agree on is, of course, that's the biggest miracle to date. Of all. Yeah. <laughs> To date, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it'll be interesting to get into some of these other things. Uh, so what are you looking forward to for these next couple weeks, this holiday season, Christmas, New Year's? Uh, no, I'm just, just looking forward to relaxing and enjoying the holidays. You know, often I think... Uh, I'm so frustrated because I'm thinking, oh, I got to go back to school soon and stuff, stuff like that. And so now that that's done and out, yeah. you know, I'm just kind of working on other things. As some of you can see, those of you who are watching YouTube, you know, unlike Justin, my background has changed again. <laughs> um, I'm no longer in Virginia. I am now eight hours north of Virginia, uh, where I was back in Cleveland, Ohio. And this, even though you don't see too much right now, I assure you there's a lot happening on the other side of this camera. Um, but in due time and within the next week or two, you're going to see picture, maybe some video of my new studio, which is coming together pretty nicely right now. So not giving too much away, but yeah, I'm excited, uh, to have a new, some new stuff behind me instead of just a table and a cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> right now you guys might see a little bit, you know, I got my couch here. I got a chair over in that corner. My surround sound set up. 
And I'm going to have some posters and or pictures on the wall here to give you guys a little more to look at. I know back in Virginia, the uh, background was a little bland. So let me try to fix that. Well, and you're lighted up much more now than you were. <laughs> I am lighted up much more. That's because I got two overhead lights on either side of me, which is apparently more than enough. So... <laughs> So, okay, so Christmas miracles. What did you come across? Uh, I mean, we, we decided to do this because the past couple of years it's been, you know, we worked on Jesus and the, the true story of his birth. We worked on Santa Claus and the Anna Claus. So mm-hmm. what did you come across as far as Chris, Christmas miracles? Well, I think first and foremost, before we even get into that, we need to give a bit of a definition as to what a miracle is, because I think a lot of people have their own personal definitions. Sure. Um, but according, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the definition of a miracle is simply an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. That's the number one specific definition. Now, of course, there's plenty of people who don't believe in the divine, and therefore they chalk up uh, miracles to be nothing more than coincidence, or in some cases, as the second definition says, an extremely outstanding or unusual event, thing, or accomplishment, meaning it's just a random chance that these miracles should happen. Mm. Um, and of course, we know what side at least I come from, and I think both Justin and I both come from to an extent. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, a miracle is an awe-inspiring thing. You know, it's something that usually happens when you expect the worst. Uh, it, it could be someone who's died and is brought back to life. You know, it could be someone who's ill and you, you know, you're planning and getting ready, preparing for this person to become more sick and eventually die. And yet they suddenly, miraculously become healed and the cancer is gone, for example. Uh, you know, some of us think a miracle is when we're driving down the road and just barely miss getting into a car accident. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything. I mean, you know, I think uh, some people would say, oh, that's not really a miracle because, it, you know, you just by chance avoided a car accident. But even small things like that can be some miracles because just an inch or two, you know, in either direction, it could be much more tragic. Right. And what's to uh, say that you weren't supposed to be in that car wreck to begin with? Exactly. So, you know, I think miracles... Even though they're pretty rare on the big scale, large scale miracles anyway, such mm-hmm. as, you know, somebody becoming healed or whatnot, I think miracles happen on a daily basis. I think in all of our lives, uh, we don't know how many times we, you know, how many times we're close to meeting death himself. And yet God puts in these little diversions for him and us, you know, little detours for us, diversions for death, uh, and allows us to continue living. Uh, and I think it's a miracle in and of itself that God even allows us to have a single breath, you know, every other breath, because at any moment, our life can be taken away. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you know, I just wanted to give a quick little definition as to what that a miracle is. Um, again, those, some of you are going to agree or disagree or, as we often say, agree to disagree. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, as I was looking up, I, I did a show like this on uh, – uh, forgotten truth. I for, yeah, I'm forgotten truth radio, and it wasn't Christmas miracles, but it's just miracles in general. And I actually took it from a book. Uh, I think it was called Miracles. I can't remember who it was by, uh, but it's a book that Justin and I of an author from an author that Justin and I planned on having on once upon a time, and we ended up going separate ways before then. But <clears throat> it was an interesting episode. I pretty much just spent an hour t- 
relating stories, you know, of these miracles and talking a little bit about them. Uh, and I think that's kind of what we're going to do a little bit today of as well. But we're also going to have some discussion as to, you know, I guess debate as to what is a miracle and whether or not they're miracles and what makes them miracles. I specifically looked up some Christmas miracles and I have five uh, that I found on Reader's Digest that, you know, are pretty interesting. And so I figure I'd probably go through and just talk, you know, share one or two of those stories throughout the night. But, uh, you know, miracles, miracles are interesting. They are. They're, they're very interesting. Uh, and again, I think depending on one's viewpoint or perspective, a miracle can come in many shapes and sizes, you know, and fashions and whatnot. Uh, sometimes a miracle is much deeper than what, for example, what I might believe a miracle is. Uh, sometimes a miracle is a whole lot less than what I believe it is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, almost tripping down the stairs and catching your balance could be considered a miracle to some. Uh, a baby who's not born yet but is meant to be delivered dead ends up being alive. I mean, all these different miracles. I seem like I'm rambling here, but, you know, it just kind of gives you an idea of what these different miracles are, and they don't always come tied in a nice little bow. Sometimes they're a little messy. Sometimes, you know, it takes a while for a miracle to play out. Uh, in this case, it could take like five years. What do I mean by that? Think about drug addicts who are constantly, you know, close to dying or they always have this uh, this ongoing feat that they may end up dying because they might overdose. Well, you're trying to get that drug addict to respond and to become healthy again. And it may take a process. Or the ones that have OD'd but survived. Right. All that stuff, you know. So, But I think I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and just read one of these stories real quick. Okay. Uh, just kind of give it, get us on the on the road here uh, of miracles tonight. Again, this is from Beers Digest. All right, this is a story by Dave Grinstead uh, of Wellingham, Washington. It's titled "Santa Found Us on the Road." So, at Christmas time in 1961, our family was on the way from Seattle to a new assignment on the East Coast, and we checked into a motel in Watertown, South Dakota. It was not the best time to travel with young children who were concerned with Santa finding us on the road. We headed into town to find a store, and as our car approached an intersection, there was a Santa right in the crosswalk. He held up his hand for us to stop, and we rolled down our windows. Santa poked his head through the window and said to our kids, Oh, there you are. I was wondering where I'd find you tonight. Naturally, the kids were thrilled to to pieces. They made sure we told Santa which motel we were staying at so he could find them. My wife and I had tucked away the gifts for the trip, as we knew we wouldn't have time to shop along the way. The car top carrier and out-of-state license plate might have been a giveaway, but whatever it was, the Santa really made Christmas 1961 a, mem- a memorable one for our kids. Again, that was a little story that was uh, given to Reader's Digest by Dave Grinstead of Bellingham, Washington. Now, again, this is one of those where is it really a miracle or, you know, what is it here? Because all considering, it doesn't seem like the type of miracle that is suggested in Webster's, uh, you know, Merriam-Webster uh, dictionary. However, nonetheless, it is an interesting 
coincidence or miracle. The fact that these kids are worried that Santa might not find them. And the Santa actually says, oh, there you are. I was wondering, you know, where if I'd find you tonight or where I'd find you tonight. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I would for anybody that would debate that that's not a miracle. I would say that that man was sent to that specific car by somebody other than himself. And yeah, granted, it could have been he saw the out of out of state plates and saw that they had been packed up and w- were on their way to a hotel. But he didn't have to stop by this car and and say what he said. He could have just been on his merry way. Right. Oh, absolutely. It's it's definitely interesting. You know, and who knows, you know, it's here's something this might be a little over the top for some of our listeners. The scripture tells us the scripture tells us that Jesus may appear to us, you know, and be careful of who you talk to and whatnot. Uh, be careful of what you do, what you say, treat people as you want to be treated, the golden rule, et cetera, et cetera, mm. because you never know when you might be serving Jesus himself. Um, and I remember a time in which I was on a mission trip down in New Orleans and there was this guy, we, we had just kind of learned about this whole, you know, idea that angels or Jesus will show up and test us or be there for us and you know you never know when you might encounter him on the street and so we're driving down uh in downtown new orleans and me and my team stopped at a red light and we had a bunch of food and this guy's on the side of the road homeless man holding a sign asking for food just staring at us and we're trying to get the food together and we couldn't get it we couldn't get it together in time by the time the light turned green and so i decided to drive and as I was driving away, I looked at the guy and he gave me this real piercing glance. And he just stared at me as I moved through the intersection. Well, we decided, okay, let's go back around now that we have the food prepared and we'll just drop it off. Well, we got there and the guy was gone. Nowhere to be found. We scoured the you know entire area for him. Couldn't find him anywhere. It was really interesting that he was at that corner for her that time, that moment that we were there, and then just vanished. And we ended up giving the food to a, another homeless man who was crossing the street. But then we started questioning, like, well, what, could that have been Jesus? You know, could could that have been the Lord testing us to see if we would actually give him food? Uh, in which case, at the time, we failed. But anyway, so then I, you know, with this story in general, you question, well, was this actually just a man? Was this just a person? Or was it actually divine? Take looking after the children. You know, we know mm. God loves children. Uh, and he says to take care of them specifically. If we don't, well, that's, that, that's trouble for us, basically. Um, so, you know, who knows? Who knows what could, who it could have been? Well, and if it were God himself appearing, he would probably appear as somebody that the kids would necessarily know this that time of the year compared to i mean you it doesn't say that you know what religious background these kids had or if they were taught the bible or anything like that so you i mean you really don't know what they believed in other than santa claus right absolutely so um i actually came across a couple of stories as well and just after the break, we're actually going to share a couple that were shared with us from um, a listener and our friend Jerry. 
not necessarily Christmas miracles, but they seem like miracles nonetheless. But mm-hmm. uh, this one is actually from Cracked.com, and the article is six stories to make sane people believe in Christmas miracles. And it was actually the first one, <clears throat> excuse me, in the article. And it says, couple discovers an abandoned newborn baby in the middle of the desert. In 1931, Ed and Julia Stewart were driving home on Christmas Eve when they suddenly got a flat in the middle of the Arizona desert. While her husband changed the tire, Mrs. Stewart wandered off for a bit. Mrs. Stewart came across an old hat box with an, an abandoned but totally healthy newborn girl inside. Now, this all took place a few miles outside of Superior, Arizona, a tiny town. Even told today, there is literally nothing surrounding the town but a depressing wasteland. So just think what kind of astronomical odds it took for the couple to get a flat tire in the close proximity to the discarded baby, allowing them to save her. What's even more incredible is that the stewards then decided to hand the little Christmas miracle over to the authorities so she could be legally adopted by properly vetted people, unlike some folks. Seventeen couples applied to adopt the hatbox baby, but due to bad weather, only two of the two of them managed to show up to the hearing. The judge ultimately granted custody to one couple who named the child Sharon and raised raised her. Sharon Elliot never met her biological parents, but the support of her adopted parents, she did eventually work in the aerospace industry, which considering that she was a woman raised in the 30s in Arizona, it was a miracle nonetheless. Hmm. So actually very interesting to find a baby on the eve of Christ's birth. (laughs) Right. <laughs> so, uh, interesting stuff. What What are your thoughts on that? Um, no, it is interesting. You know, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's always amazing, I guess, when you hear stories about kids or you know anyone who's who has nothing basically, mm. who's lost or you know, and it it could be a kid, it could be an animal, it could be an adult, it could be an adult, it could be anything or anyone. Um, and it definitely is a miracle, you know, especially on Christmas Eve to, to not have a family per se. Uh, and she was just a baby, right? Yeah. At the time. But even still, you know, even as, I mean, we don't remember, but even babies know when they're alone or they don't have, you know, someone there to, to be with them and whatnot. And so even something like that, and just so as much for the family who adopted her, you know, it, it's... <clears throat> I guess it is a miracle, none the least. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Well, we are going to go to our first break here. You've been listening to Paratruth Radio with Eric and Justin. We will be right back with, or I'm sorry, after Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and, in turn, make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. 
As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Have you ever wondered why so many streets around the world either end with boulevard, lane, or drive? Well, apparently it's based on the design of the road. According to factsides.com, a boulevard is a big, wide street with trees on both sides. A lane is a narrow, often rural road, and a drive is a long, winding, and scenic road. So the next time you're driving down a boulevard, lane, or drive, take a look at your surroundings and see what sets these roads apart. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we've been discussing Christmas miracles, miracles in general, but we came across a couple of stories of Christmas miracles. So before the break, I had mentioned that uh, we came across a couple of stories from a listener and a uh, friend of ours, Jerry. You guys know Jerry. So I wanted to read those to you guys and get Eric's take on them as well. So the first one will be from a young lady named Rhonda Lee Gomez. She says, My little grandbaby Hunter, born November 7th, has been in the hospital with bacterial spinal meningitis. Has He has improved with much prayer and caught in... Oh, caught it, hopefully timely in a timely manner, but we don't won't know if there are any lasting effects from it as it is in his right lower brain area on the bone, not in the bone, as far as they can determine through MRIs and CT scans. A miracle thus far, yes. After Christmas, we will pray for more miracles to continue in his health to be healed completely. Thank you. So... One thing I want to ask everybody, and I had talked to Rhonda if it was okay to share this, um, and she said, yes, absolutely. Uh, he's coming home Monday. He'll be home for Christmas, but just not sure about his long-term and if there will be any long-term disabilities from the meningitis. So I want everybody to say a prayer for little baby um uh, Hunter and uh, it looks like they're hoping for a complete recovery, but I'd say that's a miracle that he got better enough to at least be home for Christmas. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's a sad time. It's still going to be, it's still going to be a sad, rough time. Um, but I guess we, nonetheless, we hope for, for a Christmas miracle. Uh, and that he does become healthier and heal, and uh, everything turns out great. Yeah, and uh, it's meningitis is just kind of one of those things that th- that's basically you're pretty close to death's door. Um, you know Charlie, Shelley's best friend Charlie, and she actually ended mm-hmm. up with meningitis, and 
was in very rough shape. So it's one of those illnesses that you don't want to take lightly. All right. The other story is from Geraldine Kozak uh, from Tiger Girl for God Radio. She writes, not sure if it's a Christmas miracle, but it's definitely the hand of God pro- pro- bleh, protecting us during Christmas. Our family was supposed to have a family reunion over Christmas in Thailand in uh, Puket, Puket. Sorry, Jerry, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it where the tsunami occurred in 2004. Thankfully, they changed their minds and moved it to another city far away from the infamous tsunami that devastated Southeast Asia. If that qualifies, most definitely please share it. If not, at least it's an interesting wow or praise God moment. I would say that that is a Christmas miracle, seeing as it was around Christmas time. Um, Yeah. And I, I honestly remember the tsunamis from 2004 for hitting Southeast Asia that just devastated the area. Um, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, that, that's what you would call divine intervention in that case because it's it's more than just simply – I guess when you have to really think about it, I mean, you're supposed to be there and you just so happen to change your mind and go elsewhere, you know, right at the same time that the tsunami hits when you're supposed to be there. I mean, that's not really a coincidence. You know, that, that there's right. got to be more to it. So, yeah, I would definitely uh, consider that a miracle and put that on the list. As, <laughs> now, I mean, yeah. obviously she doesn't say, oh, you know, they were predicting tsunami, and I believe at the time they weren't. It was something that kind of was out there, but they weren't expecting it to hit mainland. So... Yeah, I would say that was a a Christmas miracle on top of just a regular miracle because mm-hmm. it was that time of year. Right. Uh, so one thing that I wanted to to share with everybody, um, I, I don't know if you've ever had any like mini miracles around Christmas time. Um, I mean, we've known each other for thirty almost thirty one years since you're going to be thirty one soon. Uh right. but I don't remember a whole lot from my childhood, but you know, back then I wouldn't have called them Christmas miracles. So right. but uh you know w- one thing that always comes to mind when I think of Christmas miracles is there were a couple times that I was not in the best financial situation and I ended up somehow coming into enough money that I was able to afford a couple presents, whether that was a bonus from work or being able to work overtime or whatever. So in my personal opinion, that is a miracle in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, did, do you have any that you have in mind that you in your life have had? Hmm. I mean, I guess there's, you know, I think there's always been a few right around Christmas, you know, and I think, uh, one of the, I think most of them are always kind of been around either family members or pets that shouldn't be with us, but happen to be, you know, they kind of stick around for Christmas. Uh, and, and even if it's just for the Christmas season and that's it, and then they're gone, you know, I, I think it's one of the big things. Um, our dog Angus, for example, uh, which uh, you guys have all heard of numerous times, but um, I can't remember exactly what month it was that he got real sick from eating rat poison. 
and it was already winter when he was ill. And so we didn't expect to have him, you know, for the winter season, Christmas season. And yet he ended up making full recovery despite, uh, you know, having his intestines and his, you know, all his, his insides eaten basically are destroyed by the rat poison. Uh, his, uh, vocal cords were all burnt and destroyed. Uh, he was just a mess. You know, he had to have two blood transfusions. And yet, even though we thought for sure he wouldn't make it, he ended up surviving and spending many more Christmases with us uh, in the long run. And, you know, I think that in itself is kind of a miracle. But I think it's also, you know, I, we, we keep talking about miracles being these, these, these good things where, you know, such as death being prevented. But I think sometimes miracles can happen in death as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, um, someone dying brings family that we haven't seen in a long time together, you know, and that family we normally wouldn't see. And it had to be someone's death that brought us together. But once they came, they stayed. And, you know, that in itself is kind of a miracle because, like, you don't typically talk to these people. And yet, for whatever reason, this death in the family created a miracle in which other parts of the family that were once close and then distant came close again and have stuck around since. Um, I think death can be a miracle for somebody who is ill and just cannot you know, for example, cancer, uh, right. somebody who is terminally ill and everybody is just wishing. And I know that's a very hard and bad thing to say, but people are wishing that they would just pass because then they wouldn't be in pain anymore. They would be with God and they would be, they would be happy. And right. you guys can say what you want, but I'm a firm believer that somebody who is suffering so much just needs to pass on because they are not, even though family can be selfish and want to keep them around, they are not living a quality way of life. So I think that is kind of a miracle in itself. So, uh, well, one thing that you had said at the beginning was to kind of debate the definition of miracle. And we, We've been kind of doing that just with the stories and what have you. But right. uh, in, in your opinion, do you think that the smaller miracles show the will of God more than the bigger ones? Or do you kind of think they're kind of equal? Well, I mean, I think they're kind of equal. Um, I mean, it depends. I mean, just I, I don't think a big miracle outweighs the power of a small miracle, nor vice versa. Um, you know, I think there have been plenty of miracles just in the birth of Christ, for example, you know, and his whole life. You know, we think about the birth of Jesus as being the miracle of the all time miracle, which it is, you know, it's great. It's awesome and amazing. But I think the even greater miracle is the fact that God or Jesus, uh, being both a hundred percent God, but also a hundred percent man. I think it's a miracle that his man side, his human side allowed him to still push to the point of sacrifice on the cross to die for our sins. That's mm-hmm. an even greater miracle, you know? I mean, yeah, without him being born, we never would have received forgiveness of sins. But then again, if he never, you know, took on the cup that was poured to him, if he never drank the cup that was poured out for him, 
then we still would be lost in our sin and we'd have no way to, to talk to God, no way to heaven, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and of course, there are a number of other small miracles as well. And in this sense, it was God protecting him. You know, King Herod was out when he found out that the Christ was born. He sent his men out to kill every firstborn male two years and younger. And God went to Mary and Joseph, told them to move over to, uh, I think it I think it was Nat, moved to Nazareth, or was it to move to Jerusalem? One of the two. I'm confused right now, guys. Um, but if he didn't ask them or tell them to move, then Jesus would have been killed by Herod right there, you know. And so there's a bunch of other little tiny miracles that happened, but they all led up to a greater miracle. Mm. And you know, I think it's important to remember uh, a verse in James 1:17, which says that every good and every every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of Lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change, uh, and this simply just reminds us that any good gift, no matter what it is, comes from God Himself. And there's obviously no such thing as a bad gift because that's not really a gift, is it? Um, not, not when it comes from God, and He's incapable of giving bad; He only gives good. Uh, and of course, I know there's a bunch of debate up up there for that, uh, and we don't have time for that today. <laughs> But that'll take us on. I was going to say that would be a lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but it also, you know, the scripture also says that God does everything uh, for the good of those who know him. And yeah, not everyone knows him. And yet he's still willing to provide little miracles and give good gifts to even those who who aren't considered his children in the spirit. Um, But yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just kind of drawing out, uh, I guess, argument for for your question. But in the end, it always is, right? It always is. But in the end, you know, yeah, good or big or small, a miracle is a miracle. And again, I think it depends on perspective because, you know, the homeless guy on the road who gets $5 from somebody, that's the biggest miracle of their life, Mm. you know, where – We've talked about, you know, a loved one being cured from cancer is a great miracle. And that's, uh, you know, amazing for that person and for the people who who surround them. But when you put the homeless man and this other family together, their joy is one and the same because they're both equal miracles to themselves. Um, You know, so. I the reason I ask that is because in the human mind and you can say that you agree or disagree on this, but in the human mind, you know, we always think of big as way better than small. But, mm-hmm. you know, in my opinion, I think it's the smaller ones that kind of show us more that there's somebody looking out for us than the bigger ones. Yes, the bigger ones are just as good as the small ones, but if you're, if you don't have anything major going on in your life, for example, somebody who's dying from cancer or a a dog on death's door that those little miracles make up for any big ones that you haven't uh experienced in your life okay. yet. granted i'm i am agreeing with what you're saying they're both one and the same it it will bring somebody as much joy to have a couple extra dollars to buy their kids or their loved ones some christmas presents over somebody escaping death. Right. But if, again, if, in my opinion, if you're not having those big 
life-changing, catastrophic things happening in your life at that particular moment anyways. The, right. the little miracles at least show you there's got to be somebody looking out for me because I there was no way that I was going to come up with this money by myself or right. there was no way I was going to be able to make it home in this blizzard or it, there's no way I was going to stop myself from hitting that car and, and missing a car accident. Right. So I, like I said, I do agree with you, but in my opinion, I think it's the smaller ones that kind of show us even more so if there's nothing catastrophic happening. Mm-hmm. So, um, one story I wanted to actually talk about, I actually came across this during break, is another story that's on Cracked. And it's about a woman that dies during childbirth, then just comes back to life. This happened Christmas Eve, again, 2009. Tracy Hermansdorfer was a at a Colorado Springs hospital about to give birth to her first child. But suddenly disaster struck as Mrs. Herman Stouffer unexpectedly went into cardiac arrest. After the mother's heartbeat came to a standstill, the doctors tried to at least save her son by performing an emergency C-section on the clinically dead woman. They got the baby out, but the newborn was very weak with a rapid diminishing pulse. The staff then handed the dying baby over to Mr. Herman Stouffer. That's when the universe yelled, You've been punked, and Mrs. Hermansdorfer's heart miraculously started beating on its own. Soon after that, her son's pulse stabilized, and he began breathing normally. They both eventually made a full recovery. This is actually kind of interesting because there there's been so many links to mom and child, mm-hmm. and this particular one actually kind of shows that because the baby's normalcy came about from the mother coming back to life after going into cardiac arrest. So, again, Christmas Eve, baby being born, and a miracle happening. So, one question I had for you, and I actually put this in the the post that I put on Facebook, is do you think that... Chris, uh, miracles happen more so during the Christmas season than throughout the rest of the year. No, absolutely not. I don't have my, any reasoning <laughs> as to why, <laughs> but I just don't think so. No, uh, you know, I, I think the only difference is that people tend to speak more about miracles around the Chris, Christmas time. Uh, and, and that's mostly because people are in a much more lighthearted mood than they are the rest of the year. But many of those miracles, I think, aren't happening on Christmas or even around Christmas. I think they're happening all year long, and that's just when the stories appear. Okay. Because that's what Christmas is about, you know. I mean, in a sense, uh, as, as a uh, in a mainstream worldview type of way, Christmas is all about the miracles and the family and the joy and this and that. And so that's why we hear so much more about the stories around that. And in just the simple term, Christmas miracle, you think of like Scrooge, for example, mm-hmm. uh, all the – famous book and movie and show, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's about Christmas miracles, about this guy who just absolutely hates Christmas and is all about himself and so on and so forth. And everything is simply turned upside down on its head after he's visited by three ghosts. Uh, That in itself is kind of 
brought together this Christmas miracle. And of course, naturally, as we've already said several times, the birth of Jesus Christ, greatest miracle of all time. People just want to play off of that, and they're they're feeling that the spirit of Christmas, if you will. And so it allows them to be more open about these miracles and talk about them. But no, I think miracles happen all year round because God doesn't care what season it is. He doesn't care about the holiday. He doesn't care, you know, about this or that. What he cares about is the people that he created. Mm. And so he's going to perform miracles no matter what time of day, no matter what hour, no matter who it is. If, if a miracle is there and he's willing, then the miracle is going to happen. It's not like he has extra power on Christmas because people are more joyful. You know, it's <laughs> though that would be nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, yes, miracles happen all the time, and pro- you're probably right. They just surface during the Christmas time because people are in that mind frame. So, yeah, I, I do agree. Uh, it was just interesting because, you know, people always talk about Christmas miracles, but, mm-hmm. you know, they are happening all the time. I agree 100%. So uh, did you have any other stories that were interesting to you that you wanted to share? Uh, I have one. I have one more. Um, all right. This one is by Kay Johnson. Uh, from Parker, South Dakota. Again, this is from Reader's Digest. It's titled, The Mail Train's Gift, A Life-Changing Message. All right, it's short. Here we go. My mother told me the story from World War I many years ago. Christmas 1917 was coming, but because her brother Archie Kleichman was missing in action and presumed dead, the family was not going to celebrate. The townspeople of Parker, South Dakota, always joked that the small-town postmaster read all the postcards whenever the mail train came into town. On that Christmas Eve, he lived up to his reputation. The family was always grateful that the postmaster, instead of waiting for the rural mail to go out for the day after Christmas, called my grandmother and told her that Archie was being held as a prisoner of war. Archie even wrote on the postcard that he was well. Of course, my mother said that turned out to be the best Christmas ever, and Archie came home after the war and lived to a ripe old age. Hmm. <clears throat> you don't hear too too many uh, too often about wartime, obviously because it's probably a little more devastating than than others. But yeah. that's that's interesting. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think he was being protected? Do you think that uh as far as divine intervention, I'm sorry. Uh or do you oh, think sure. that was something more along the lines of his captors? No, I mean no. I mean, I think in or in war, if you're a prisoner of war, you're typically not making it out. You know, it's rare. Uh and we've seen that in the Iraq war over, you know, mm-hmm back in 2005 and whatnot. And the idea is that when you're a prisoner of war, you're trying, you're usually trying to get something. You're trying to get money. You're trying to get finances. You're trying to get this, trying to get that. Uh, or, or you're trying to make a statement and that prisoner is being held for a certain amount of time before being killed or being put on trial or something like that. In this case, you know, no one knew what happened to him. No one had any idea. Mm. And I think that there's a good chance, uh, 
and I think God's always involved in this stuff, um, that even though he's a prisoner of war, maybe he was a prisoner of war, uh, a prisoner of someone or a group that were relatively, I wouldn't say decent necessarily, but they weren't willing to kill him. That's not why he's a prisoner. You know, they're just holding him captive because they could have killed him at any moment. Hmm. Uh, so maybe they were just holding him to try to get something and then eventually released him. Maybe somebody from, uh, you know, maybe somebody, uh, from the military, the U S side went and saved him from the, from his prison, his imprisonment. Uh, you know, maybe these people were looking to harm him, but God kept their hands at bay and didn't allow it. And then rescued him from his imprisonment. There's a number of different things that could have happened. Uh, but I think God is always, he's always involved in everything that we do, no matter what it is, uh, usually trying to f- do what he can. N- not that he's, I say what he can as if, you know, he can't do anything, but you know, he can do anything and everything if he was willing. But I think it depends on, you know, what glorifies him ultimately, hmm. you know, most people um, don't understand that he wants you to mm-hmm. kind of do it yourself too. <laughs> Well, yeah, to an extent, yeah. Well, right, um, right, right. Depending on what it is, but <clears throat> yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think this is this can very easily be uh, a divine, you know, inspired event. So, okay, all right, folks, you are listening to Paratruth Radio this Christmas Day. We are going to be right back after Justin's paranormal headlines. And now, Paratruth Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's going on, Parafans? Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines, and these headlines are from unexplainedmysteries.com. Snow has been falling in the Sahara Desert. The unexpected flurry is the first to have been reported in the region for almost four decades. The Sahara is one of the last places you would expect to see fresh snowfall, yet on Monday this week near the small Algerian town of Ain Sefra, visitors to the region were met by the breathtaking spectacle of desert sand dunes coated in a light dusting of snowflakes. The only other time in recorded history that snow fell in the Sahara was way back in 1979. Everyone was stunned to see snow falling in the desert. It is such a rare occurrence, said Kareem Bouchatata, an amateur photographer who managed to capture the remarkable scene on camera. It looked amazing as the snow settled on the sand and made a great set of photos. Certain scientists make antimatter breakthrough. A team at the CERN facility near near Geneva, Switzerland, have been experimenting with antihydrin atoms. In physics, it is predicted that for every particle of matter that exists, there should also be a particle of antimatter. When the two particles collide, a large amount of energy is released, annihilating both. One of the biggest mysteries of antimatter concerns the fact that the Big Bang should have produced both matter and antimatter in equal measure back when the universe began. These days, however, just about everything we see is comprised of matter, not antimatter. So where did all the antimatter go? It is a question that scientists have been trying to answer for years. Now, though, a team at CERN's Alpha Experiment have succeeded for the first time in trapping anti-hydrogen atoms long enough to compare them to regular matter hydrogen atoms. 
The results show that the anti-hydrogen atoms gave off the same light spectrum as hydrogen atoms, further cementing the idea that one is an exact reflection of the other. As to why the universe simply didn't collapse in on itself the moment it came into being, Alpha Experiment spokesman Professor Jeffrey Hanks offered up the following response. Something happened, some small asymmetry that led some of the matters to survive, and we simply have no good idea what explains that right now. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's up, Para fans? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we were talking about Christmas miracles, and the last discussion we were having was about this uh, mail train's gift about a man who was a prisoner of war eventually being released and having a very nice rest of his life. Uh, the family wasn't sure exactly where he was. They thought he was dead. And, of course, it's always a miracle when you think someone's gone forever and mm. then eventually shows up so uh <clears throat> man <laughs> yeah folks it's christmas yeah pretty interesting discussion yeah it's an interesting discussion you know some interesting and fun stuff um i hope everyone is having a great christmas day and i hope everyone had a great christmas eve uh you know if you're listening to us Awesome. We Thank you. appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, it's been great talking with you guys and hanging out with you, uh, today. But I do uh, have to say, I, very interesting t-shirt choice for Christmas. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was trying to, I couldn't find anything. <laughs> I haven't unpacked any of my clothes from Virginia yet, so I'm just whatever I have around. I like it, but it's an interesting choice for the Christmas episode anyways. <laughs> you know, little, I don't know. Maybe we can consider it Krampus style. I don't, <laughs> kind of, sort of. Kind of similar. <laughs> so, folks, I hope that... Uh, You've enjoyed the Christmas Miracles episode. I, like I said, wanted to do something a little bit different. We've done Jesus. We've done Santa Claus, the Antichrist. So something really to brighten the spirit in this time of the year. So uh, next week, very interesting episode coming up for next week. We're going to be joined by Eric's sisters. Aaron and Ellie uh, mm-hmm. to ring in the new year and uh, again falls right on New Year's Day. So I hope that uh, you guys are not just enjoying us on Christmas but enjoying the season. I hope that everybody has come together and is sharing loving times with one another. And I do have to say this because I say it every year. Just keep it safe, guys. You know, don't don't be 
sipping the eggnog and getting behind the car because then people are going to have tragedy instead of miracles. So yeah. So any final words before we head out for the evening, my good friend? Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. All right, folks, until next week where you will find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. Do you love Paratruth Radio? Do you feel Paratruth Radio is worth at least a dollar? Then check out our Patreon account. Go to paratruthradio.com, click on the contact tab, and click on our Patreon link. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio and you would like to listen to it again or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, paratruthradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day. and writer and let's be honest I do a lot of things this is Dean Archipotis the host of Whiskey Business the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey yes we drink and talk about whiskey but we do so much more with so many interesting people for example we talk to comedians like Greg Warren you know I don't want to brag but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever you know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.